Blog Talk Radio. Join in with us for another broadcast of Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And I am excited. I'm 
I'm I'm glad to be awake. I'm glad to be alive another day. Man, I you know, I'm just it's weird because this year has gone by so fast. We're already almost out of June. You know, I when I was a kid I used to anticipate summer because summers were long, you know, you seemed like you had so much time to do and here it is, it's already Almost July. Just the next weekend would be July 4th weekend. Everybody would be barbecuing and everybody would be eating. People would be at family reunions and all that kind of stuff. And it's just amazing. Time has flown by so quick. But I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. I'm actually glad. Uh, you know, the faster time goes by, that means the more we get done, some stuff done. Uh, at least it appears that way. I don't know that to be true. <laughs> but we're glad that you guys are joining us here today on Zero Today. Last week I we had our first broadcast, and I'm glad every so many people gave me some positive feedback, and I'm grateful for all of you who gave me feedback on things I need to work on. And uh, you know, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting phenomenon, you know, being able to put on a show like this and uh, with little to no experience, people can get on the internet and put anything out. That's what I love about our country. That's what I love about the internet. That's what I love. You know, you can just do it. <laughs> and in doing it, you are privy to some of the greatest dissemination of information, knowledge, fun, comedy, everything you can think of. You're privy to that process and the growth and development of those people. And so I want to thank you, my listening audience, for joining. And if this is your first time listening, we're going to, uh, you're in for a treat, I tell you this much, you're in for a treat, and um, you're going to enjoy the show. Now, I had a lot of people ask me last week, what exactly does Zira mean? Uh, you know, why Zira? What in the world is, is, is it African? Is it, what is it? <laughs> and uh, I'm going to address that real quick so you guys can have an understanding of what, I, what Zira is. Zira is actually a Hebrew word for seed. It, it's a... Uh, found on a couple of times in the Old Testament, and it's the Hebrew word for seed. and it, uh, Sperm, seed, as in seed from a uh, fruit for tree, and as in uh, the male seed, sperm. Uh, <laughs> I do that through some of you for a loop. But, yeah, um, and I've been using Zira in a lot of things since 1996. Uh, uh, the Lord impressed that, that word on me for some reason, and... Um, I've been going with it ever since. It's different. It's unique. But uh, I, as, a, as a preacher, I'm, I'm sowing seeds. Uh, I'll give you the illustration that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, there are some who plant, there are some who water, but ultimately God gives the increase. And my job, as not just as a pastor, but as a, as a person who has information, is to share that information, to plant that seed that may cause growth in some area. And, you know, um, you, you can't eat everything that you is put before you. Um, some some seeds are not good to eat. Some some seeds are healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I better use a quick uh, quick um, quick story, and, and then I'm gonna get on to uh, today's uh, broadcast. Uh, I know black folk everywhere, <laughs> especially during this time, summer family reunions, eat watermelons. <laughs> And um, I I, would, I can't tell you the number of times that I was scared to eat watermelons because I was scared of of swallowing the seed. Because they were told me, I mean, tell you this is they would say if you swallow the seed, you're gonna grow inside of you. You you know you have watermelon growing on the inside of you. So I was 
scared to eat any kind of seed from a watermelon. And the first time I did, I think I must have almost choked on it because I was trying to cough it up. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, let's just... For those of you who don't get it, don't worry about it. Go to a, fa- a black family reunion. You'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, yes, uh, zira is a Hebrew word for seed. And I am sowing seeds of wisdom, knowledge, liberation, empowerment through this broadcast. And we want you to leave this broadcast always thinking, always questioning you're not going to have an answer. If you do have an answer, wonderful. If you don't have an answer, fine. If you want to have creative dialogue, and I do mean creative dialogue, not just heated discussions and arguments or debates, because, you know, there's enough of that going around. But that's what it's supposed to be doing, challenging your thinking. And I don't think that's enough of that world going, uh, challenging thinking going on in the world today. All right, that's my two cents for the day. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, there's Tropical Storm Alex that's in the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, uh, yesterday, if I understand it correctly, he was in the Yucatan hitting Belize, uh, and they were they're getting some some uh, storm down there. Uh, but they were kind of they were kind of concerned about the um, uh, about it coming on to the Gulf Coast, and you know, of course, in our area here in southern Louisiana, South Louisiana. They were concerned that they couldn't track it for a couple of days. They they couldn't uh, trace the path where it would go. Uh, so they were concerned that it may move westerly, uh, more easterly rather, into the Gulf Coast. And, you know, of course, with that oil spill down there, um, they were preparing for that. And the guy, the admiral over the oil spill was saying, if any kind of storm enters into our Gulf, in the, to the Gulf area, where the oil spill is, they'd have to shut down production. They'd have to shut down all of this work that they're doing, the cleanup efforts that they're doing, for almost 14 days. Can you imagine that? And, and it's already day 70 of the oil crisis here. And um, I was just reading uh, reading and watching the news this morning in Grand Isle. They're ready because it started coming forth. They're trying to put forth some things to, to uh, repel the oil. And it's a concern for me because my church is right uh, right along the Gulf Coast, literally. Uh, um, when Hurricane Gustav came on shore in uh, 2008, my, my church building took a direct hit because it came on shore right there, uh, came onto land right there. And we were, we were really, 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 really concerned. We, you know, one is a 108-year-old building, 100 and, um it was 106 at that time, and we were really concerned, you know, about the fragility of the building and the impact of the storm. And, and now we're bracing and we're preparing for this uh, hurricane season this summer. We already have our evacuation route. As a matter of fact, we're going to go back over that later. But um, uh, our secondary concern, of course, is if this uh, oil is not capped and a storm comes into the Gulf, uh, what in the world are we going to do if that blows that oil all over our shores? So that's a major concern for us. So that's one of the things we're talking about. Uh, we may get in a little bit. If you have any questions, you can call in again. Uh, you have anything you want to discuss, you can call in 917-388-4293. You can tweet us, uh, prophesy at Twitter. You can see us on that. You leave us a message on um, in the chat. We are chatting. If you want to, you can uh, chat with us on the uh, broadcast. Also, we are uh, send us a quick email, ltneilcox.net. Um, 
There's a couple other things, man. There's so, so much that's going on here. Uh, let me review my notes real quick. Oh yeah, <laughs> this weekend. Now this was really funny. Not funny, but it was serious. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, the G8 summit has been going on in Toronto, and um, the G8 summit is a, the meeting of world leaders. And this year they're in uh, Toronto, and President uh, Obama met with the President of Indonesia, uh, concurrent meeting with that meeting. But uh, there was rioting in Toronto during this G8 summit, and there's always riot at every G8 summit. I, you know, I never, I've never understood why people riot at a global meeting when those same people are calling for global unity. <laughs> it's, it's a funny thing. It, it, you know, I, I was watching, and these are uh, most of the people who were rioting were members of labor unions, and. Um, for some reason, they were upset that uh, this group was there, and you know they showed their their um, frustration. They're breaking windows, they're burning police cars, they're doing all this stuff. I said, man, it look almost like L.A. doing a Rodney King riot. <laughs> uh, boy, it, but it's just funny because the i the very idea of the very idea of you rioting against uh, a a group. That you have an interest in that's that's it's such an oxymoron and ironic um that that would be going on other news story that happened last week and uh since we weren't on air last week to address it, I wanted to address this quickly uh this and we'll talk a little bit more about this later but uh last week uh President Obama accepted uh, uh general Stanley McChrystal's resignation as the head of the afghan forces uh now the Interesting thing about this is that President Obama appointed him to that position, I think, uh, right after he was uh, elected. He appointed him the head of those forces. And if you're not fair, uh, aware of General McChrystal, he's a uh, man. He, he has, from what I understand and what I've read about him, he has outstanding service with the country, black ops. He's one of the ones responsible for the arresting and capturing of uh, Saddam Hussein, um, that eventually led to his uh, trial and, and um, execution, and so he's been he's well respected in the core. He's well respected in the uh, in the military. He's well respected by the Afghan people, uh, but apparently he let his um, internal frustration with President Obama leak out. And his aide spoke, and uh, the the remarks that was were published to. Uh, uh, they were given to on record to a reporter for Rolling Stone magazine who was embedded in the in that in their troops and on the record they expressed their frustration and um upsetness whatever you want to call it that ain't even a word upsetness <laughs> they expressed their frustration with uh President Obama and um and of course it was it was out of order and President Obama addressed it seriously. Uh, of course, as soon as it was made public, um, Crystal drafted up his um, resignation, and um, they they had a brief meeting. He and President Obama had a brief meeting, and that was the end of it. Next thing you know, he appointed uh, General Petraeus, who was leading, who was over all the forces, to head up that uh, area of Afghanistan. But uh, the weird thing is. And it's not so much as a weird thing, but what is happening is that a lot of people are now beginning to see 
what people were saying about uh, President Obama's inexperience and his leadership and all of those things that are starting to come to light. is more people who voted for him are expressing voters' remorse, <laughs> just like buyers' remorse. And I'm not try- turning this into a President Obama bashing session. I'm just addressing the issue of that. And we'll come back to that later on. So those are just some uh, some of the news. There's a, a lot more that has been going on uh, that we could address. We may get to some of that later on. But um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a minute or so. So hold on. And make sure you, if you have any comments and you have any questions, you want to join in, in our dialogue, you can call in, one nine one seven three eight eight. Send us an email. Join us in the chat room. We'd love to hear from you. All right, here we go. Gonna take a little break for a moment. We'll be right back. Exciting book by Pastor Lorenzo T. Neal. Available now on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Borders, and in your local bookstore. A Breach in the Family addresses issues that directly or indirectly create conflict and confusion in families that create breaches of secrecy, bitterness, anguish, and alienation. Described as a tell-all for dysfunctional families, A Breach in the Family is a must-have. So order your copy today. All right, we're back, and wanted to thank you for tuning in to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I am excited that you are joining us here this morning today uh, on Block Talk Radio, uh, going out all around the world. Listen, I am excited today. I had a an awesome weekend. I uh, just got back on Sunday yesterday afternoon from. Um, the 8th Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church Ministers and Pastors Retreat. Now, we had, all right, it's summer on the lake. There's cabins with no phone or TV. You got people fishing, playing spades, dominoes, swimming, shooting basketball, shooting the breeze. Everybody's so relaxed. What does that sound like to you? <laughs> Sounds like a good family, black, black family reunion, right? Well, that's exactly what it felt like this weekend. I mean, you had 200 ministers and pastors 
in LaRange, Louisiana, at the uh, Solomon Episcopal Retreat Center as a part of the Episcopal Diocese of Louisiana, uh, gathered in a very relaxed, informal gathering. Now, you got to understand something about AMEs. We AMEs, we're used to meetings. <laughs> we have meetings year-round. As a matter of fact, I'm supposed to be at a meeting. We have a meeting going on right now in Birmingham, Alabama, a connectional meeting. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're used to meetings. We have meetings at the Wuzu. I tell you what. But uh, <laughs> I tell you what. I'm making myself laugh today, guys. This is something. Uh, but uh, this was no meeting. That was the unique thing about this. What I guess that was what was really exciting about it. It wasn't a meeting. You know, usually when we have meetings, we have a church service that can drag on forever. And then on top of that, you got to give an offering, and you got to. <laughs> it was you know church meetings. If if you're not Methodist, you're not um, AME, AME Zion, CME, uh, United Methodist. <laughs> You don't understand, but let me tell you, man, it's a wonderful thing to do and have, but sometimes we just get tired of these meetings and traveling across the country to go to these meetings. But anyway, this meeting <laughs> was not a meeting. It was a relaxed atmosphere. Matter of fact, we were strongly admonished by our bishop to uh, not even bring dress clothes. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we were shorts, we were what, linen suits, the, uh, men and women were just relaxed. I mean, sitting outside in the rocking chairs and going to the swimming pool. And uh, I was surprised watching our bishop fish. <laughs> it was wonderful. And she bragged. I'm gonna say this. I love my bishop. Uh, she bragged about her game in Scrabble. She bragged about it. She was ready to play, play Scrabble. And uh, unfortunately, she did not do as well as she would have liked. <laughs> but. Uh, I can't talk. I didn't play much. <laughs> I lost the game of checkers and uh, well, actually, I watched the game of checkers and I lost the game of bingo and oh man, it was you know I I played the kitty games. <laughs> I I didn't want to try to play you know let my hood come out and play spades and dominoes, but uh, I should have. But uh, it was a wonderful time. Now to offset all the fun and relaxation, the good food, the good fellowship. Uh, we had exciting teaching. I, I mean, that was it, it was great because we not only got to enjoy ourselves, but the the, the sessions that we were we were uh, in were uh, committed in promoting dialogue among us. We had um, two dynamic, I mean, absolutely dynamic, talented, gifted. Uh, crazy <laughs> in the very best sense of the word presenters at our retreat. Uh, we had Dr. Makunga Akinyela, who is the Associate Professor of American African American Studies at Georgia State University. He's also an AME pastor, Victory AME Church uh, in Atlanta, and he just happens to be the elder son of our bishop, Bishop Carolyn Tyler Guidry. <laughs> now, when she when she first came to our district, we knew that she had preachers as sons, but uh, <laughs> you know they're both extremely well at what they're doing, and she is ex extremely proud of them and what they have, what God has led them to do. But he just happens to be her elder son, and she doesn't like calling him that. She calls him her her uh, elder brother. 
because <laughs> she claims that he has more gray in her in his hair than she does, and it was wonderful. But um, he led a dialogue with all of us pastors and ministers on um, William P. Young's book, The Shack, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you've never heard of that book, The Shack, it's been out for a few years, and uh, some consider it to be highly controversial. Um, because of some of the things that it presents about God, uh, the view of, of of God as being a black woman, a big black woman named Papa, uh, the Holy Spirit being an Asian woman uh, um, who you could barely see through, and of Jesus being a, a Jew, a big-nosed Jew in so many words. No offense, Jews out there. Listen, I'm just saying how it is. <laughs> so... Uh, some people have decried it as heresy. Some people has have embraced it. Uh, we had a, a great discussion about that, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more here on the show and get into some of the questions we have about God, some of the hard questions we have about God and how we relate to God, how we can be free to worship God in spirit and in truth uh, if we know him or see him in a different perspective, a different light. We also had Dr. Teresa Fry Brown. Uh, who is uh, now tenured professor of preaching and homiletics at Emory, Candler Theological Seminary in uh, on the campus of Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia? This is a phenomenal woman. I tell you, I've uh, I had the opportunity to meet with her and uh, listen to her since 1999, 2000, somewhere in there. And ever since, I mean, we've had a wonderful relationship. I've read, you know, her books, her lectures, and I mean, and then. On yesterday during our worship service, she preached the house down. So I just wanted to share that with you. It was a wonderful time. But the the, the point I said all of that, the point I'm getting to is the fact that uh, there are so many preachers who never get the chance to relax, to just you know be renewed, refreshed. Matter of fact, none of us was at our church yesterday. <laughs> you talking about some excited people? <laughs> We didn't have to prepare a sermon. We didn't have to worry about Bible study. We were there, and none of us was at our church. And we probably have to fix some stuff when we go back <laughs> this week. But uh, it was just a wonderful thing that we got to engage each other, dialogue with each other, relax, and not worry about Sunday morning. Amen. And that I tell you, man, I let an amen slip out of there. See, you can take the preacher out the pulpit, but you can't take the pulpit out the preacher. That's something. But um, we, we we discussed that that book, The Shack, and it's, it's an interesting discussion. And I want to get into a couple of the things that um, it talked about um, here. Now, let me give you a quick overview about The Shack. It was published by William P. Young. He's a former office manager in the hotel nightclub. It was published in 2007. Um, it basically has found success by word of mouth, because he published it for his children as a Christmas present, and um, it basically spread like wildfire after that, after he let some people read it. But the gist of it, this is, this is the plot. There's this guy named Mackenzie Phillips, uh, uh, nicknamed Mac. He has a father, he's, he's a father, he's a husband, and he has minister training, he, you know, he, it's some kind of seminary training, so he has an awareness of God, but he's going through the motions. Anyway, he takes his family on a um, camping trip, 
And during the process of his camping trip, um, um, he leaves his daughter alone for a very moment. And um, when they get back to the campsite where his daughter was, she's missing. And it comes it's discovered that she has been killed more than likely by the serial killer known as the Ladybug Killer. And, and it details all of you know events around that and then talks about the sadness what my Mac had experienced following you know, they did a funeral and uh, following that experience, um he experienced what's called a great sadness. He gets a letter in the mail from Papa, that's what he called God to meet him at the shack where they found her body, uh, where they found her bloody dress. Better. Make it uh, easier. And so he gets his letter, and he goes to the shack. He, You know, he doesn't know what to expect. And first night, he thinks he's going for a weekend and gets in there. And once he gets to the shack, he experiences all this this frustration, this dread, this anger, all of that. And, I mean, I mean he tears it apart. And as he's walking away, the shack transforms from that old raggedy shack into a beautiful cabin. The whole scenery changed. It was the midwinter, and midwinter turns into springtime. And he has a confrontation. He has um, he meets three three characters. Um, God, who calls themselves God, talks about God being Papa. This black lady who loved to cook, loved to sing, and was listening to on an iPod to rock music of a band from a band who hadn't even been born yet. Um, he meets with um, Jesus Christ, who was a Jewish, who was a Jewish-looking man, and meets with the, the Holy Spirit, who was an Asian woman called Sarah Yu. And, that, and so it, it brought into question of the doctrine of the Trinity that we so much love and uh, how we view this concept of this Trinity, um, and it was so interesting. And, and from his writing, the Trinity are one, not separated, but different functions in so many words. Um, but they are in a total agreement in what they call relationship. There's no, the question came up, well, who's in charge? Um, yeah, who has the authority? Was it God? Papa was it Jesus or was it Sarah? You and they said there is no, there is nobody in charge. There is relationship, and uh, that challenged us preachers because it challenges our preaching. Uh, you know, when we're preaching, uh, most time we're standing on the pedestals and we're preaching to an audience instead of preaching with the audience and instead of enlivening, living the uh, the sermon. Nine times out of ten, the sermon um, is not engaging, it's not um, mutually beneficial. You know, the preacher has done his thing or her thing, and they get their shout on, their hoop on, their singing on. The audience sometimes is left still asking questions, and uh, that was something we dealt with. I, I know a lot of you guys probably never talk to your pastor. If you do talk to your pastor, it's like, Pastor, I enjoyed the sermon today, or Pastor, I... Oh, everything was good, but you don't dialogue. Uh, you know, a lot of people are scared to dialogue with the pastor, scared to question the pastor. Okay, if they, if you're a Bible scholar or you read the Bible regularly, sometimes you know preachers make mistakes. And I've been there. I've made some mistakes on the pulpit, uh, misquoting some things and misgiving facts. You know, that's a bad thing. 
but people in the audience may know it and never address it, and it goes undressed, and people then get frustrated. They leave the church, or they go to another church, or they just leave the faith altogether. Now, you're probably wondering, how in the world did that, <laughs> did you go from the shack to the the preacher? Uh, it, that's the way it was presented to us this weekend. It was challenging because we had to see ourselves in a different perspective. When you see God in a different perspective, you see yourself in a different perspective. And it's not always the perspective that you're supposed to have. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's not always what the normative view of things would be. And I think a lot of people are afraid to be challenged in their view of God and the challenge in the view of their pastor, the preacher, the teacher, the evangelist, the missionary, on and on and on, and especially in the 21st century church where uh, you have a lot of people who are bishops, apostles, and prophets, and they're unquestioned because if you question them, you're, you're uh, what is it, what do they call it, uh, touching their anointing just by questioning them and engaging them in any kind of dialogue. But that's the, I didn't mean to get out to all of that too much, um, but that's one of the things. Listen, I'm going to take a quick break here, and I'll come back and I'll readdress some more things on the shack. And um got a little more I want to talk about. Uh, I really, really want to get into this discussion about the church and uh, the black church lack of so, social action, social justice, if you can say that. So we're going to take this break real quick, and we'll be back. Stay on the line. Again, y'all, feel free to call in. 917-388-4293. Join us on the chat line if you want to. We're here on the chat line. Drop us an email. Tweet us. Do whatever you like, guys. This is a show for you. Be back in a minute. Check your speakers. This ain't a self-help song. Or another makeover song But how it made me over <laughs> You dig? I like me Yo, you like me Cause I like me Do you like me? See, I like me Cause he likes me God likes me Yo, you all like me I like me Yo, you like me Cause I like me Do you like me? See, I like me Cause he likes me God likes me Yo, you yo, all like me yo. Short, big nose, big lip Kinda stuff to study, but I but never trip Got my daddy swag and I walk with a limp Got a hot wife, no need to be a pimp Never been cute, never been fly Since I've been changed, got that twinkle in my eye Got my grill fixed, now smile when I speak Tell me who that is, yo, it's that Jesus freak Yo, you like me, cause I like me Do you like me, see I like me Cause he likes me, God likes me Yo, you all like me Yo, you like me, cause I like me Juice in the booth
Do you like me? I like him. He likes me. God likes you. If you're a size 12, you're size 17, size 22, he likes you. All right. Welcome back to Zero as a Day with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I'm the host with the most. Nah, I'm not just kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, when we left you, we were talking about uh, the Eighth Episcopal District's uh, ministers and pastors retreat that we just returned from this weekend. They had a very relaxing, wonderful time, and it was refreshing. And I, I describe it as a pastor's family reunion. And the reason I say that I describe it as a pastor's family reunion because all of us there, I mean, I felt like I was in my family reunion, you know. The only thing we didn't have were the T-shirts. <laughs> and you know if you go to any family reunion, they're going to have the T-shirts. The only thing we didn't have was the T-shirts. <laughs> now, if the bishop had said we need to buy T-shirts and, you know, everybody had got a T-shirt, then it would have been a big family reunion. I mean, I watched I watched preacher, preachers uh, get so relaxed playing games of spades. Man, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm back in the hood. This <laughs> It was wonderful playing spades, catching fish, um, shooting the breeze, playing dominoes. Man, it was wonderful. And, and, you know, people forget black preachers still are black preachers. We're black, you know, and most times you know, we identify with the culture. We have one pastor. Matter of fact, um, <laughs> he he brought in a lot more people to his church because he played dominoes with them, you know. And um, so it was a wonderful time with freshmen. And the best thing about it, you guys, the best thing about it, we didn't have to be at our church on Sunday. <laughs> I think that was probably the most refreshing thing, <laughs> just the fact that we didn't have to be at church Sunday. And I hope most of us weren't worried. I wasn't worried about what, you know, I didn't care. If they didn't have church, if they didn't show up, fine. I wasn't caring, man. I was, I was too busy relaxing and enjoying myself. And the fact that you didn't get a phone signal <laughs> out there, so nobody could call me, nobody could text me if they did. Oh, oh well, I didn't get it till <laughs> anyway. But um, while we were there, not only were we re- relaxing and enjoying ourselves, but we were engaging ourselves also. It was not just uh, it was a retreat where we were we were committing ourselves to being renewed, refreshed by the Holy Spirit, but at the same time uh, engaging in dialogue. And, and each other. And one of the things we discussed was uh, with uh, Dr. Makunga and uh, Akinyela, MK as he called, he's associate professor, if you didn't catch it, he's associate professor of African American Studies at Georgia State University. And he led us in a dialogue on the shack. And those of you who have never read the shack, I encourage you to go out and read it. Um, it's a very interesting book. It's a novel. And for those Starch, starch theologians is not presetting anything. It's not presenting a new theological truth or anything. It's just simply presenting God in a different perspective. And um, in the in the black church, we used we're, we're used to seeing and presenting our preacher presenting God in different perspective because we hear it all the time. He's a wheel in the middle of a wheel, <laughs> a rock in the weary land. You know, a shelter in the time of storm. He's my He's a lawyer in the courtroom, a doctor in the sick room. I know y'all church folk listening to me know what I'm talking about. Mighty Rose of Sharon, Lily of the Valley, all those things. With those analogies, those more, uh, 
those things that we use, those amorphisms uh, we use, uh, anthropomorphisms when we give God uh, humanistic characteristics. And, and it's not like we're giving it to him. He's God. He created us, so it, he had them already, you know. Uh, that's a whole different thing. But we got into the discussion of the Trinity, and we also got into this discussion of, um, you know, God presenting us in our angst, in our depression, in our whatever spots we are in our relationship or how we uh, relate to God. Uh, the author presents this in a very good way. He says, it, when when using this black woman, he says, I'm very fond of you. <laughs> and, you know, the image that we've been presented to God is this God who's just angry, ready to strike you down for everything that you do. And to have this loving black woman, just like my grandmother, just like some of your mothers and your aunts or people in your church who who are so loving that can't be described, that even when you do the worst thing, the probably the worst thing they do, you know, they give you the candy. If you're bad in church, they won't give you the candy to teach you a lesson. <laughs> y'all, act like y'all don't know that. But um, to have this image of God presented, it caused trouble for a lot of people. Some of us black preachers who were there, some of us pastors who were there, caused trouble in our thinking and our relating to God. But we were challenged to think about God outside the box um, and get him, you know, see him differently. Now, I'm an existentialist philosopher. That's my, uh, I'm an existential liberationist philosophy, and that's big words for some of those. But let me explain basically. Uh, I believe in embracing the dread, the anguish, the pain, all of that stuff, instead of trying to neglect it and do away from it, embrace it and let it have its course because that's what it's supposed to do. Sometimes you just need to get depressed. Sometimes you need to get down. Sometimes you need to have nothing so that you can completely trust God. You know, and that's not the positive thing that's going on right now because everybody want to have a good thing. You know, everybody want to be rich and things of that nature. Uh, so it's just a different presentation of God. And I challenge you, those of you who are listening, to go out and get the book and have the discussion. Um, I'm going to have to end this real quick because i got to get on to my next segment in a few minutes. But we talked about, uh, we had Dr. Teresa Fire Brown come and teach us about preaching. Um, and I tell you, she's a fireball. And I'm not going to get into that because that was more personal. And um, if you're not a preacher, if you are a preacher you want to know about it, you can call in a, <laughs> to the radio show and we'll talk about it, one nine one seven three eight eight four two nine three. Hit me up on email, ltmeal at cox.net. Uh, tweet it. Uh, Tweet it, tweet it, send me, send me a message on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, or however you want to do it, and we'll discuss it from there. Uh, but I really want to get into this. Uh, I want to get into this segue real quick about the uh, black church um, as social justice agent. And I think it's significant because uh, all around the country, uh, we celebrated Juneteenth in those of you who know Juneteenth is, is if you don't know, it's the day, the time that uh, slaves here in the South and various areas of the South, particularly I believe it's Texas, received word of the Declaration of Emancipation Proclamation. Um, and, you know, they celebrate that. And, you know, we have Juneteenth celebrations all around all the country in uh, various areas. But um, I think as uh, I think the black church has gotten away from that somewhere. And um, I want to read a quick quote by James Cone, uh, who's 
known as the father of black theology or black liberation theology. And yes, I do ascribe to that. But he wrote in his book, um, Risks of Faith, on page 111. If you ever get a chance to read this book, or read about James Cone, you read about this. He says, this is what he writes. Our church is an imposter because we no longer believe the gospel we proclaim. There is a credibility gap between what we say and what we do. While we may preach sermons that affirm the church's interest in the poor and the downtrodden, what we actually do shows that we are committed to the American way of life in which the rich are given privileged positions of power in shaping the life and activity of the church, and the poor are virtually ignored. As a rule, the church's behavior toward the poor is very similar to the society at large. The poor are charity cases. <laughs> and he goes on to say, you know, it's sad to see black churches adopting this condescending attitude toward the victims because it was these churches that were created to fight very, that very thing. And now we're having second-class citizens in our church. And uh, that's, a serious, that's a serious accusation. And I'm telling you this, you know, with, with all that's going on in black church, even though churches are building bigger buildings, less is happening. The bridge, the gap between the poor is increasing it it's no it's no you know it's no hiding that the the gap is increasing and it's increasing in our church because everybody's trying to get rich everybody's trying to get wealthy everybody's talking prosperity and that's what's on television radio but the problem is it isn't working matter of fact <laughs> when the church you know it's amazing to me that Rick Warren pastor the Saddleback Church in California can have a million dollar deficit a $2 million deficit, go on air and make a 90-second 90, 90 uh, appeal, and people give to his ministry. And here we have local churches, you know, our local churches, our black churches suffering, the communities around them suffering, intangibly suffering, intangibly suffering, and the black church is going on with business as usual, and they're treating those citizens who don't have, those members of the church who don't have to give. You know, when we pray, bless those who don't have, wish to give, but had it not, they're treating them like second-class citizens and not going to bat as active, social activists, social justice activists for the church. I know, I know, I know, that's old school, that was, that's over, we don't need to do that, we need to focus on, you know, you know, that part of the church that make us feel good. Yeah, please, man. You ain't supposed to be happy all the time. <laughs> well, let, let me say, let me stop. I'm sorry. Let me make my apologies for that now. Uh, <laughs> you are you are given by God everything you need to be happy and to create wealth and to be prosperous. But you don't use that for yourself. You are to get wealth to show the covenant of God, to show the love of God, and uh, to fulfill uh, the commandment which says, love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, boy, did I hit a nerve on that one. Listen, let me take a quick break, and we're going to get back into this discussion because I, I, know, I know some of you guys are wondering, oh, my God, he is on a, on a nail now. All right, take a quick break, and we'll be back after this. Trust in me in all you do. Have the faith I have in you. Love will see us through. 
uneducated or by you know if they dropped out of school or if they only have a GED to go for and get a vocation and get some kind of trade and you know get off welfare and stop trusting other better yet just stop trusting the government waiting on the government to give you a handout uh, I don't believe that never have uh, you know I, I can share you numerous stories about how my grandfather you know having to take in my brothers and I after my mother was killed did not receive any type of assistance took care of four boys in addition to the family he already had, and you know, on a janitor's Saturday at the school. But I say all that because I think our church needs to get back to that social justice action. And when we do that, we see it, we'll begin to see empowerment in the community and not the preacher getting wealthy. Now, you're going to have some huckabucks that are going to you know, get money and jank, jank, what they call janky, janky preachers, but, you know, over and all, we 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 need to do better. We we need to do that. Hold up for a second. I'm gonna do this quick promo. Hold on, real quick. A breach in the family. A new and exciting book by Pastor Lorenzo T. Neal. Available now on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Borders, and in your local bookstore. A breach in the family addresses issues that directly or indirectly create conflict and confusion in families that create breaches of secrecy. Bitterness, anguish, and alienation. Described as a tell-all for dysfunctional families, a breach in a family is a must-have. So order your copy today. All right, I wanted to put a quick plug in for my book. <laughs> so uh, listen, you get a chance. Go ahead and order that book. It's a wonderful book. Uh, it's, a, it's a baby at birth, and I want you to order and be blessed by it. Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, uh, Borders. And go to your bookstore. If they don't have it in the bookstore, you can ask them to order it. They can get it. You can get it in your hands. Now, that's my sales pitch for the day. Listen, as we get into this last segment, last few minutes of the show, I um, just want you guys to know that it's it's been a joy. It, it is a joy. Well, I ain't closing out yet. <laughs> It's it's a joy hosting the show. It's a tedious task hosting the show, but I appreciate every every single moment of it. You never know what how God is going to bless you. You never know how wonderful a blessing you're going to be to others. And this is an opportunity that I have to be a blessing to others that I'm I'm very grateful for. Um, one quick thing here. Um, we. Uh, we got we got a lot going on. We're, there's so much going on, and I'm reviewing. And, and boy, I, when I got off track, when I get off track, I get off track. I got ADD, guys. <laughs> Adult ADD. So I get easily distracted, and when I get distracted, it's hard, hard to get me back on track. <laughs> y'all, 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 work with me on that one. We're getting there. But uh, last few minutes of the show here. Uh, other than plugging my book, I want to say. Um, I want to put in a plug real quick for uh, the Frederick Douglass Foundation. If you're not aware of the Frederick Douglass Foundation, the Frederick Douglass Foundation is an organization of young black conservatives who are interested in promoting the true values that this country uh, has for us to enjoy written and installed in us in the Declaration of Independence. All men are created equal. Um, we are a group of people, and I say young, but it's really not young, but we're all like-minded African-Americans who espouse the views of Frederick Douglass, the great abolitionist, uh, 
freed slave and abolitionist who promoted social value, social justice. Get a chance to check out their website, Friends of the Frederick Douglass Foundation, not Ning. Um, uh, Dr. Timothy Johnson is the great leader of this group, and Dean Nelson, who is also executive director of uh, Christians and Politics. Uh, so, guys, this is a great idea. If you don't, if you ever, if you're interested in politics at all, and you should be, you know, don't just let what happened in 2008. You know, that's the last time you voted, and you voted for Obama, and you didn't care about anybody else, you know, the Senate races or the Congress races. Everybody should be involved in their community. Everybody should be involved and engage in a political uh, community. That means you should know what you believe, and you should vote according to what you know. And don't be afraid to vote outside the box. Don't be just because you're a registered Democrat doesn't mean that you have to vote that way all the time. Vote the way that you're supposed to, <laughs> what you know. You know, don't be scared. Step out the box. But, you know, and I, I said this, black folk are conservatives who vote for liberals and then complain when it doesn't go their way. And so uh, the Frederick for Douglas Foundation is an excellent um, organization. They have great resources that you all can tap into get information from, and benefit from, okay? And if you're not conservative, I, I strongly and uh, strongly encourage you to find out more about what is what this what we mean when we say black conservative, what we mean when we say that, uh, because it turns off a lot of people. They don't even know half of the stuff, what is espoused by that. And just because we black may vote Republican or something like that does not mean we sellouts. Yeah. Okay, that's my little range then. Listen. It's been a joy having you on the show. Um, next week we're going to we're, uh, we'll be having a discussion on church abuse and uh, spiritual abuse and all kinds of other things to deal with that. And uh, hopefully our guest will be eventually Cynthia Diamond uh, seeking his face in the National Ministries of Detroit. Uh, so we want to thank you guys for joining in. Join in on this broadcast every time you get a chance to. It is Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Uh, glad to have you on the show. Glad you came out. Let's tell everybody you know about the show. We'll see you next time on Zero Today.